Good evening. Tonight's reading is taken from the Book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. Humble service in the body of Christ. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Amen. Hi everyone. I'm going to be talking about teamwork this evening. So I'm sorry if you've come to church to escape the football, but uh, you're going to have a little bit more of it this evening. Uh, I never particularly used to be into football, but uh, before the Euros, one thing that did get me into it a little bit more was reading this book here by Peter Crouch, How to Be a Footballer. It's a good read and I'd recommend it. It's funny. And uh, he has a chapter in here all about defenders. And let me read to you what he says about defenders. He says, I love football. I love playing it. I love watching it. And I cannot for the life of me work out why anyone would want to be a defender. Midfielders create chances. Strikers make things happen. Being a defender is all about stopping stuff. It's fundamentally negative. You get in the way of other people being creative. You stop the fun stuff. But as you can probably guess, a bit later on in the same chapter, he does admit that you do need defenders. He says, so I'm not a defender and I would rather retire than have to become one. But you need players who love being defenders and you need defenders who have the exact strange mentality that makes no sense to me. So he doesn't get them, but of course the team needs them. And that's how a team works, isn't it? With a team, each person has different skills and a different way of seeing things perhaps, and all of them work together better than any one individual could on their own. And you need all of the players there. It's no point having half a team, but equally when you've got all the players, you can't have one person or two people dominating. The whole team needs to work together. That's what teamwork is all about. Now, our Bible passage today is about teamwork, as you've probably guessed. And really, this is one of the passages you could go to to justify the, the idea that's talked about in Christchurch quite a bit of an every member ministry. You don't have uh, just Chris or just Chris and Bernie or just the staff or just the leadership team running the church, but it's an every member ministry. Everyone gets stuck in. Everyone is part of the team. That's one of the things we're going to see this evening. Now, I realize as I say that, that I'm speaking to some of you who are so stuck into the work of the church that you're nearly burning out and uh, others who have pressures outside of church, maybe family or work. And the last thing you want is another burden placed on your shoulders from the church, you know, get stuck in, get stuck in that sort of thing. And some of you may have stepped back after serving the church for many years. So I know that I'm talking to a whole range of people 
And the nice thing about this text is that it actually has a message for each of us. Um, for some of us, it, it is telling us to get stuck in. For others, it's encouraging us in the work that we are doing or have done. So let's pray now that as we go through this text, each of us will hear the message that God wants us to hear and take that away in our hearts. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that as we walk through this life with you, you don't want us to walk alone, but you have given us each other and you've placed us in churches. And so, Father, as we look at this passage this evening about teamwork, please lay on our hearts the message that you would want us to take away. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Well, the first thing I want to say is that if you are a Christian, then you are part of the team. This is verse four. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So you are part of a team if you're a Christian, whether you like it or not. This just isn't just an individual thing between you and God. Now, the way Paul describes being a Christian is being in Christ. Verse five, he says, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And being in Christ is a bit like being in a new house. You don't just end up there by accident. Firstly, you've got to leave behind your old house. And uh, in the picture, that's repentance. That's leaving behind your old life. And then you have to move into the new house. That's the equivalent of putting your faith and trust in Christ and then living for him. And thirdly, you need the housewarming party so that everyone can get together and celebrate that you're in the new house. And that is baptism. And I hope that's not being disrespectful to describe it like that. But if you haven't gone through those steps, um, then I'd encourage you to, to get in touch with me and we can chat more about that or one of the other leaders in the church. And I hope by the end of this sermon, you'll see that it's actually a really great thing to be part of this team that is God's people, uh, the Christian faith. And we have the best captain as well, Jesus, who never did anything for himself, but always served others. So if you are in Christ, if you're a Christian, then you are part of a team. And the question I want us to think about is, how does this fit into real life when the reality is we actually spend far more time in other places than we do in church? And we might be part of several, what I'm going to call teams. You know, we might be part of a family. We might be part of a team at work, might be part of a sports team as well. Where does this team fit into all that? And um, what happens if your skills that you have, your gifts, are really best used outside of the church. So I'm thinking, for example, of someone like a sculptor who can create these amazing statues. But, you know, ever since the Reformation, we're thinking uh, if you create statues for use in worship, you're in danger, uh, first of all, of creating an idol and breaking the Ten Commandments, but also of simply distracting from the worship of God. And so we hesitate to use statues in churches. So what happens if you're like that and your skill is, is best put to good use outside the church? Well, the answer is that regardless of time we spend in other places, regardless of where our gifts might lie, this team is the team where we belong. In verse five, Paul writes, so in Christ, we 
Though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So you are first and foremost a Christian. That's your identity. And then as a Christian, you're also members of other groups in the workplace or at home. It's a, I want to compare it to a footballer doing some TV work on the side. They might be a very gifted TV presenter, but they are there in, on the TV first and foremost because they're a footballer. And they're representing football when they do TV work. And they don't even have to choose for that to be the way it is. When you see Gary Lineker on TV presenting, he's a great TV presenter, but you know him as a footballer. That is his identity. That is his first team, if you like. And so it's the same with us. When we're Christians, that is our first team. And whatever other place we might be in, we are an ambassador for the Christian faith. So my question is, do you see things in that light? That in your Christian faith, you belong to others and they belong to you. That is your identity. And that is your most important team. That's the first thing. You are part of a team if you're a Christian. The second thing is that we don't all play in the same position. This is verse six. We have different gifts. Now, I just want to hang on there and explain that when it says gifts here, we might use the word strengths. We have different strengths because in a second, Paul is going to give us a list of gifts, and one of those is encouragement. Now, sometimes when we think of spiritual gifts, it's like you already have your personality and you already have various skills and things, and then God comes and gives you an extra gift on top of that. But encouragement isn't like that. It's not like, ping, new gift added to Sam Williams, and that is the gift of encouragement. Encouragement comes because of our personalities and it comes because of our life experiences. And so these gifts, we can, we can think of them as skills that we might have, personality traits sometimes, strengths. And I want to say a few things about the list of gifts that we have here. The first thing I want to say is that Paul actually gives various lists of spiritual gifts, gives one here gives others in other books of the Bible, and each of those lists is different, which tells us something quite important. It's not like Paul has a list in his mind of seven spiritual gifts that he rolls out every time. It's not a small, limited number of specific gifts that Paul calls spiritual gifts. So what it teaches us is that actually all sorts of things can be a gift from God, a spiritual gift, whether that's encouragement or whether it's a miraculous gift. So some gifts are miraculous. And we read in 1 Corinthians 12 of gifts like tongues and miracles. And I know that um, there's some discussion within the church over the extent to which those are still exercised by Christians today. I'm not going to get into that now. Some are miraculous and some are not miraculous. There's the gift of teaching that comes up regularly. Um, teaching is not a miraculous gift, but it is a God-given gift. And God gives that gift to lots of people, whether they're Christians or not. The gift of teaching. So just going through the list, um, I just want to say a brief word about some of these. 
The first thing we reach is prophesying. Now, what is that? Some people say that prophesying takes place as a person prays out loud. That is in itself an act of prophecy. Others see it as part of preaching or the act of preaching as a whole. And others see it as something else altogether. Well, <laughs> again, we don't have time to talk about prophesying in detail, but I just want to share with you two Bible verses where Paul uh, gives some advice about prophecy. And I think we can learn quite a lot from that. The first is 1 Corinthians 14, 29, where Paul says, two or three prophets should speak and others, the others, should weigh carefully what is said. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, he says, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all and hold on to what is good. Now, you know, at the risk of causing disagreement, I'd say that that suggests that prophecy in this instance isn't about foretelling the future. You know, who's going to win the game tonight? <laughs> because um, if that was the case, it wouldn't be possible for those around to test what was being said. It's something that hasn't happened yet. And so it seems to me that this is about um, explaining God's word, God's revelation in the Bible, in light of the circumstances a person finds himself in or a church finds itself in. So really you're applying the text of the Bible to a situation and that is prophecy. Now, as I say, we don't have time to go into it anymore and perhaps you disagree with me, but we'll leave that one there for now. And uh, in any case, there's those two references that Paul gives to weighing up prophecy. We don't just take it as, as a, an infallible revelation from God when somebody prophesies. We weigh it up. The second thing he comes to is serving, which is obviously a very practical thing. Now, the thought of uh, running a load of children's games might fill you with horror, but you might be able to help set up the room and serve refreshments during the children's group. A lot of people think that if you're going to serve in that kind of environment, in something like a children's group, you have to be really competent at everything. But that's not how a team works. A team works by somebody being good at one thing. And then lots of people work together. So serving, very practical, and it's a contribution to the team. Then we have teaching and encouraging and giving. I'm just going to gloss over those because I feel they're a bit more self-explanatory, even though it's quite interesting, isn't it, that giving is described here as a spiritual gift. A person's gift could be generosity with what God has given them. Isn't that great? And the last one, showing mercy. Uh, acts of mercy, visiting the sick, visiting someone in prison, helping an immigrant settle in the country and find their feet, that sort of thing. Now, those are some suggested gifts or strengths that Paul describes. But as I mentioned before, these are examples. And Paul gives all sorts of people different gifts at different times. We don't all play in the same position in the team. So I'm going to say, if you're not sure what your strength is, then pray about it and ask God and ask others to help you identify it. And then once you know what it is, think of this. God in his wisdom has given you this particular gift at this particular time and in this particular place. So don't feel that you have to serve God in an area where you're not gifted. 
But instead, trust God that he has placed you here to use your gift for him right now in a particular way and find out what God wants you to do with that gift. So you're part of a team. We don't all play in the same position. Thirdly, you have to have a team mindset. It's that old saying that's a bit cheesy now, isn't it? But there's no I in team. So this is verse three. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. First thing I want to say is that the command not to think too highly of ourselves is linked to the fact that we're part of a team. So if you look at the beginning of verse four, you see the word for, because. Don't think too highly of yourself for, because, just as each one of us has a body with many members, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. So don't think too highly of yourself because we all form part of a team. No I in team. I also want to draw your attention to the fact that Paul says in verse 3, I say to every one of you. So he doesn't just have in mind one or two people who might think too highly of themselves. This is addressed to everyone. So if this is a danger, uh, a danger that we're all um, facing, then uh, let's think about how we might be thinking too highly of ourselves. And I've got four ways that that might happen. Firstly, we might just think that our gifts or strengths are more valuable than somebody else's. We might think that we are having more of an impact for Christ uh, than somebody else, and, and they're not really pulling their weight for the kingdom. But for example, I want to tell you that Paul includes showing mercy in his list of gifts. And so if someone's gift is the time and the personality, simply to sit with someone who is lonely or ill, then God has given them that gift. And who are we to say that another gift is better than that? Apparently, the cleaner who cleaned the toilets for NASA once told President Kennedy, my job is to help put a man on the moon. And so each of us, when we're playing our part, no matter how small, is contributing to God's bigger plan. Let's not think of ourselves too highly by thinking too little of the gifts God has given other people. Secondly, we might think too highly of ourselves because we don't recognise our own weaknesses. The fact that we need other people to serve us. So to, to use the body example that Paul uses, we might be an arm, let's say. An arm gets a lot of stuff done. It's a very active part of the body. But if you try walking with your arms, obviously you won't go very far, very fast, and you'll get tired very quickly. Even something as active as an arm needs the legs and the feet to carry it. We all have our weaknesses. We need other people to serve us as well. The third thing is that we sometimes forget that we won't be here forever. Part of not thinking too highly of ourselves is knowing when to pass on the baton and allow somebody else to use their gifts. 
And that can be really painful because we all like things done our way. And handing something over to somebody else guarantees that it won't be done our way because it'll be done their way. And also, at first, it might not be done as well because we all learn by doing and we all learn from experience. And somebody who's stepping down might have had a lifetime of experience, but be handing over the baton to someone with little experience. But we won't be here forever. So let's not think of ourselves too highly and imagine that we might be. And uh, I hope that that's reassuring for people who might have served God for years in different ways and perhaps have felt a little bit of guilt when they step back from doing that. It's not a bad thing to do. And fourthly, we, one way we can think too highly of ourselves is that we forget that God gives us the gifts that we have to serve others. One writer said, gifts are not trophies for our Hall of Fame, but working tools in a situation of need, which is also part of the gift. So we can be thinking too highly of ourselves when we use our gifts in a situation that doesn't call for it. There's actually an example of this in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13, it's uh, often read at weddings. You'll remember it. Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And he had to say that because there were people in Corinth who were given this gift of tongues, this miraculous gift. And they thought that was amazing. And they thought the best way they could serve everybody else was to use that gift loudly and often and from the front and publicly as often as they could. Um, and in doing so, they would be serving others. But the point Paul is making is that that's not loving. That's not taking into account the needs of the people in front of you. It's just using your gift. God gives us gifts to serve others. And so I want us to think about how gifted Jesus was and how little he actually used his power whilst he was on earth. And even then, only to help others never to serve himself. Philippians 2 verse 5 really summarises, I suppose, part of what we're looking at this evening. And we could have turned to loads of the parts of the Bible, actually, which summarise the same idea of us working together and working together humbly. Philippians 2 verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Notice that Jesus was a servant. A servant may be very gifted, but they only use their skills when they're asked to do something. And Jesus served us. We weren't his master. His father was his master, but he served his father. And in doing so, he served us. And he did that even to the death on the cross. So our team has the best captain. He's the best example. 
because he was the most skilled of all of us, and yet he never used his skills to serve himself. He only used them to serve others, and only when he needed to use them. So we should follow his example. So this evening, or later this week, take some time to think about the gifts and skills that God has given you, and to pray through where you fit into the picture of God's team. I want to leave you with one final thought. And this thought comes from the way that the verses we've looked at this evening fit in with, um, with what we saw last week when Bernie was preaching for us. Because they're linked by that little word that we've seen before. Beginning of verse 3, Paul says, For, because, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, and he goes on. So that because links what we've seen to what's gone before. And what's gone before, if I just read to you uh, Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you, plural, you all, will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. We all kind of want to find out what God's will is for our lives and to live that out. Well, God's will for our lives as individuals means living out God's calling as a whole team. God doesn't just give an individual a gift and then as an individual say, like, you get on with that and somebody over here, you get on with that. He wants us all to work and live together and love one another. It's a team thing. If England win the Euros later, the, the message won't go around the world. Did you know, did you hear that Harry Kane's won the Euros? Or insert name of footballer there. No, the, the whole team stands or falls. Either the whole team wins or the whole team loses. Now, we've already won because we have the best captain. We have Jesus who has won the game for us. But now we're finding out what God's will is. And his will is that we should stand together as a team. And as we do that, as we work together as a team, as we're united then we will show the world by our actions what God's love is really like, what God's grace is really like. And that will be something that is a wonderful thing, both for us and for anyone looking into the church. So let's pray that that would be the case this evening. Father in heaven, you want us to work together as a team. And so we all pray, please give us everything that we need to do that, and to use the gifts you've given us for the benefit of each other, to serve one another and to serve you so that you would be glorified. In Jesus name. Amen.